This is Ben Grower in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Our vantage place is a balcony on the third floor of the Hotel Clarence at 44th and Broadway in Times Square. And we're looking right across to the old Hotel Aston. But the new queen of uh, Times Square, well, that's the old queen because it's the former Times building, now the Allied Chemical building, and approaching atop it is a ball on the 23rd, on a tower of the 23rd floor, which with its 100-foot steel pole makes it 400 feet above the air, a ball of 100-watt light, 6 feet in diameter, which is ready to move. I would estimate there are half a million people in this crowd, mostly youngsters, and they are here to salute the new year as is NBC, and then NBC Radio will move across the United States in its New Year's Eve all-star parade of bands. Right after we sign off here at 2 minutes after 12, we'll go to the Gene Krupa Quartet, four blocks up at the Metropole, then Charlie Burnett's orchestra. Ho, ho! They saw me! Glenn Miller Orchestra under the direction of Buddy DeFranco, the Cannonball Adderley Quintet, Jonah Jones, Harry James, Benny Goodman, Count Basie, Lawrence Welk, Ray Charles and his Raylets with the Ray Charles Orchestra, taking us right into almost 4 o'clock New York time. There's a lot of firecrackers. There's one right down there, right in front of me. A lot of firecrackers there in the same place. And the kids are dancing, and the crowd's noise is rising because the ball is slowly starting to move. There's another firecracker. There's more tension. You can hear the rise of the crowd shouting. Right now, with 30 seconds to go, someone's set off a red flare down in the crowd, and red smoke is billowing up. Harmless but spectacular. A year with just a few seconds left in it as Sparkman descends from the Allied Chemical Building. It's now 1967. Happy New Year to you all. There's the story here at Times Square, an annual renewal of one of the extraordinary spectacles of American and of Gotham life. Monday, monkeys, man from uncle. Danny Thomas and I spy. Tuesday, I dream of Jeannie and Jerry Lewis. Tuesday night at the movies. Wednesday, the Virginian Craft Music Hall. Run for your life. And on Thursday, Daniel Boone, Ironside, Dragnet, Dean Martin. And then to Friday, Tarzan, Star Trek, Accidental Family, Bell Telephone Hour, and new specials. Saturday is Maya, Get Smart Movies. Sunday, Disney, Mothers-in-Law, Bonanza, and High Chaparral. That's it. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from 1967. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're actually doing it again. We are doing it again. Can you believe it? I, I honestly, I no, I can't. I don't really understand how or why, but yet here we are. Back again, season two. It happened one year, 1967. The deuce. It sounds weird, even coming out of the mouth. It does. Right? Yeah. Little we're bit. Gonna, we're going to say 1994 sometimes. Probably. 
So yeah. don't be too thrown about how LBJ was president in 94. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to mess it up too hard. Uh, I will uh, say we probably already nostalgic for season one, as I'm sure all the listeners are also. Yeah. Um, but we're here. We're change is good. Change is good for us. It's good for the people. Yeah, we need uh, we need new blood, new stories to circulate here onto the show and come up with new things. We got a big list of just wacky nonsense to talk about and a lot of Vietnam to uh, ignore. (laughs) (laughs) If if season one was any indication, we're not going to get too mired down in wars. Yeah. Uh, And so I don't we're going to talk about Vietnam probably glancingly here and there. But, you know, considering half of every newspaper in 1967 covered the war, ah, we might not we might not get into too much. We figured if we did like war episodes, we'd just be like, "Oof, that was terrible." Right, That's pretty bad. <laughs> and, uh, then there was an offensive, and uh, uh, there was some vi- some victories, some some losses. Like some losses. I don't know, it's bad. War is tough, especially one isolated year in a war that lasted for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. So we'll try to avoid that. But 1967, you know, I, I don't know a great explanation for why we picked this. But yeah. it's probably worth getting into now. Um, when we started the show last year, uh, we did 1994, which is 27 years before 2021. And weirdly, 1967 is 27 years before that. So while that wasn't exactly the reason, it seems like a pretty neat explanation. Do, right? do we need to change the name of the show to It Happened 27 Years Ago? <laughs> Every 27 years. I, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, 1940 seems like a pretty good year to do, too. So interesting. keep on going. But no, I, I think we were just looking for a year that had interesting things, but not all of the famous things. You know, 1969 has so many big famous events in yeah. it. You know, 1963 is the same. Like, the 60s have these kind of years. And we thought we would go back a little bit from the 90s, see if we could do something before we were born. So we don't have yep. a lot of firsthand type experience, but then, you know, try to knit it together somehow. And we just sort of landed on 67 because I think we liked a lot of the stuff that uh, we found. So What's the difference of the big events and gives us some interesting stuff to talk about. And, you know, in the style of it happened one year or ahoy, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of little random stuff that happened. So welcome back, ahoy heads. <laughs> you're here for the here for the show but you bought the ticket take the ride <laughs> uh, so yeah 19 it's time for 1967 it also avoided us making a whole bunch of 69 jokes which wouldn't have been fun for anyone and that would have been every single episode every single episode <laughs> so it's probably for the best yes for but, everyone involved. yeah so you know, if you're looking at this and you've seen the title and the uh, and the explanation of this episode, this might seem like a weird one to start off. Our, we have all of yeah. 1967 we could talk about. We have all the different topics to cover, all the different things. There isn't an Al Cowlings of 1967, yeah. uh, even though Bubba Smith was drafted first overall in 1967. <laughs> to go back Boiler. to that. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you say is the equivalent of Al Cowlings in 1967? I mean, there are a lot of people that it could be. Um, but I would say uh, Helmet Winter is right up near the top of that list. Perfect. So, a I perfect segue. You're a master of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I learned genius. everything by listening to podcasts. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. what. It, I guess it's what? An accessory, a tangential accessory to the largest crime of 1967. Go. Yeah. And I mean, there's crimes in 67, but there's mostly like a couple serial killers who got convicted or sentenced I mean, the Manson family was already in operation at that point. They weren't killing people yet. So I would say somebody probably tangential to that, like Tex Watson, you know, one of the like 
side figures, Clem Grogan, I would say, might be the eight Al Cowlings of 67, but it doesn't quite work because it wasn't quite that time. No. And that's the other problem is there isn't there wasn't a main story in 67 that's not Vietnam. So we didn't have one key thing that we could then thread throughout the year like we did with Al Cowling's Cato Kalin, uh, that lawyer who died, F. F. Lee Bailey. F. Lee Bailey, yeah. yeah. And so, like, we did sort of that through season one. We don't really have yeah. that for this one. So instead, Helmet Vinter. Boots, who is Helmet Vinter? Helmet Vinter is a uh, German dude. German dude? Perfect. <laughs> off, off to a great start with facts. <laughs> Welcome back read- to Fun with Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I read the article, but I realized I probably didn't retain as much as I should have. He was anyway, from, he's from Munich, yes. Yes, thank you. He's a German dude um, who, in 1967, lived in Munich, as Joe said. He was an artist um, of some kind, maybe not like a super flowery, murally artist, but he was an artist. He was a painter and, of some point, of yeah. some description, yeah. I felt like he was working on the design of something like it wasn't he wasn't working on a painting. He was working on something more technical. But anyway, well, as, yeah, as we find out, he does design things, but yeah, he designs things. Yeah, but he worked so, from home. That was he did yes. part of the the design painting part of this. Yes, he designed and painted things from home in Germany, uh, in Munich. And he one day, he lived in the, an area of Munich where in 1967 in particular, there were a lot of planes, just a lot of planes going over his house well like fighter jets and things yeah. like very very loud planes yeah i really wasn't I like just living why. out by the airport what why why were there so many planes do you know why there's so many planes? i think the explanation is just that germany at this point was split you know and with yeah. east and west germany yeah and so there were a lot of like nato planes that flew over mm. this neighborhood for you know basic strategic purposes okay. against russia that's right it was NATO. That's right. This is also that's another right. pretty good reason why maybe we started with this episode, considering what's going on right now with Russia. <laughs> we're going to do a yes. lot of anti-Russia episodes. Yes. Yes. 67. We are. We're not not supportive of the Russians. Yeah. Um, bad work, comrade. <laughs> no good, guys. Yeah. And so, yeah. So he was he was at home one day. These planes are flying over his house. They're very loud. He was designing something. There was a loud noise. He jumped. It ruined his design. He got real mad. So he wrote to his like local... Uh, town or whatever um and asked for uh ammunition to fight the planes and did you did you read the part where they sent him stuff they sent him like a surface to air missile yeah as, like a, a residential guy well i think he put it in as like an ad like yeah. in the back of a magazine or something just like a yeah. I, I think he later said this was kind of a joke but yeah that he wanted like artillery yeah. to somehow combat what was going on over his house and then people actually started sending him like giant anti-aircraft guns and all yes. sorts of random stuff yes so he was like oh no i i don't want to shoot planes down that's not that's not where i am um so but he did take matters into his own hands and he created from i believe a cabinet a slingshot that could fire uh, like potato dumplings uh, called knodles mm. very good <laughs> So, so yeah, uh, which are potato dumplings, yeah. um, a staple of uh, the German diet. And he would slingshot them at the planes. Yeah. That was his strategy. Well, it was sort of, I mean, it's a, it was a, I guess a big slingshot or a small catapult. Cause it is like, it's on the ground. It's not something he was holding in his hands, but it wasn't yeah. a big, like you think of a catapult, you think of those big trebuchets yeah. that would throw pumpkins in Maryland yeah. or whatever that is, you know, like. But you're right. It had an arm. It did, it wasn't like a rubber band that you pulled. Right. Back. It had a, right. It, it had, had like an actual arm. That would yeah, flip, it had an so arm. yeah. And this part, the articles that I read, kind of glossed over, but it worked. Like it worked. It they, seems like, to have. Yeah. 
they started flying at a higher altitude. They and the, their, they changed their flight paths. They said everyone in Munich got got more sleep. So yeah. This guy became a legend for his potato catapult at at planes. Even though there is video of him trying to shoot the catapult, and it doesn't look like it would go over your house, let no. alone hit a plane. It does look like his dog retrieves some of the potatoes that get yeah. fired into the air. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about this. I mean, there's a lot about this that is hilarious and amazing. One, love this guy taking matters into his own hands and taking some initiative. Love his creative problem solving, like all great across the board. Way to go, helmet. But why not just shoot raw potatoes at the planes? Because they had to like they had to cook them first. Like they made dumplings and shot them, and that makes the potatoes a lot softer. So I don't understand the logic there. I I'm not entirely sure because the article does then articles would go into about how his wife was making all these potatoes, yeah. and I don't know if part of it was just that like they needed to an excuse for why they were making so many potatoes. So if they boil them or whatever, they can then eat them. Yeah. But yeah, I, maybe it was that the potatoes were too hard. He didn't want to hurt anybody. Like, he wasn't trying to shoot these planes down. And he didn't yeah. hit any of the planes. I mean, these were jets that are going, you know, at breaking the sound barrier. Like, he's not going to hit them with a potato. No matter how well you time that, you know. But, yeah, I, I'm guessing it was just that. That if they were softer, and most of these potatoes are not going to reach to any, you know, any distance yeah. in the air. They're probably going to land on his neighbor's houses. So maybe he didn't want to be breaking anybody's windows, you know, like that's fair. I don't like like a, like the Peanuts gang playing baseball in the lot, that's you know. Fair. But it seemed like it got a lot of attention, and I wonder if that's why it worked. That people, the NATO or whatever, were like, well, we don't want to terrorize Munich, like we. Yeah. We no, I mean, I think that was the whole point. Like it was really more that he wanted to get some attention on how these people were living in his neighborhood and that these planes were just were brushing over their rooftops and they couldn't sleep and things. They said, yeah. they said a hundred planes passed over a day, a hundred oh a day. Can you imagine? And so, I mean, how do you even live with that? So my guess is that that was more what this was about, you know, but it does raise a good question. Was Helmut Vinter a terrorist? <laughs> No, I think Helmut Winter was probably insane. Like, can you imagine if a hundred planes skimmed your house a day? I and, would lose you, my mind. And he's working from home. Like, he's there yes. all the time, 1967. I so I would imagine. assume, like, I don't, it didn't say how long this went on beforehand, but at least it was some considerable amount of time where he realized this wasn't going to solve itself. And so freedom fighter Helmut Winter took matters into his own hands, well, his wife's pot, and then he got to business. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they washed the carpets outside the apartment for like 15 minutes today, and I thought I was going to punch somebody. Like, I, I don't have the resilience for that, and I imagine nobody does. Like, no. good there, for him. He was like, he was seen as a hero. Oh, he was a folk hero in Munich after this. There's songs written about him that I can't find copies of. If I do, I'll plug them somewhere in here. But yeah, uh, he's literally described as like the Knodel Schultz, which is like I, you know, like a German yeah. title of you know. Yeah. So, you know, he was really uh, working for the uh, for the common man in, on, in this enterprise. But uh, yeah. we just talked about this the other day. When we lived at the last apartment, there was street work that went on the one day. In the, we lived, you know, on a main street. And they had dug up something in the street. And then they usually cover it with these big metal plates so that you can still drive over it. But the metal plates weren't flush with the road. And so for like two straight days, every time a car drove over, it was this loud banging. And that almost drove me insane. And that yes. was two days. It was horrible. It was so, like we still talk about it. It must have been ten years ago. Ten years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I can ago. understand Helmut Vinter losing his shit about this. His oh. his his shiza. He could not <laughs> deal with this at all. That 100%. makes sense. 
Well, I mean, he he was so appreciated for what he did and, and so wanted to perpetuate the spirit of entrepreneurship and creative problem solving that he he and his wife created an award. It's like the order of the canodal. And <laughs> I was trying to figure out like the criteria to win it and I couldn't figure it out. So I don't know if you saw anything about that, but like they award people something every year uh, under the like philosophy of the canodal. Maybe it's just anything related to that event because I think they gave it to a girl who had designed her, who built her own catapult. <laughs> so maybe it's just catapult related stuff. I don't know. But uh, it is but pretty I mean, fun. It, no, he seems to be, I don't know what his legacy is to this day, but at least at the time seemed to be very, very popular with the, with the neighbors. Well, they said he died, like he died in 2003, but they continued to award the order of the canodal after he died. His widow continued to, I don't know if they still do today, but at least for a while. And that was, you know, what? 30, years. 36 years after this happened. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that the legend lives on. What I thought was interesting, because I was looking for some articles about this, and like you can find stuff. This was a big news story. It was in Spiegel, which was like the big German newspaper at the time, or the big German magazine. Yeah. And then this, so from that, it spread all over the place. And they said it was in all these American newspapers, and like it was a, a fairly large story. But then in looking for all of this stuff, I would run across like, it's mostly just a tidbit. Like this is just a trivia item. Basically yeah. 1967, this guy was firing potatoes at NATO and he wins. Basically he defeated NATO. That was essentially <laughs> what this point was. But I ran across like a thread on Reddit or it must've been Reddit or his Twitter. And it was just like people responding to it. And no joke. There are people who would then basically take jumping from this guy was just trying to like, you know, this is kind of funny. And he's like two people literally saying like, if you do this today, you'd be arrested as a terrorist. <laughs> And I was like, I think you're missing the point here. Like, yeah. I think I think you've lost the joke. And this is, of course, the modern internet. Yes. But back then, I think we'd have we would have great like Twitter videos. There'd be TikToks of this guy firing his potatoes. It'd be amazing. Oh, totally. People would be going as him for Halloween. Oh, we should go as him for Halloween. <laughs> we just start carrying around a, a bucket of potatoes and a, <laughs> it's a, a catapult. Deep catalog uh, costume, but I like it. I'm All gonna right, do so it. You go as helmet. I'll go as the catapult. Yes. <laughs> And yes. I'll just have my one wouldn't my water arm throws potatoes into our host's face. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us to the party. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, I think great. That'll I be just fun. get to dress as a German man. That sounds that sounds like right up my alley. There you go. Yeah, we did find a video, like a, a newsreel from contemporaneous to the time of this event. And it's like it's it's very light. Like it's just this guy in his backyard and he's got like a little dachshund and he's just like firing potatoes and oh, you know. Great. But like it's you know treated fairly lightly, but it did cause actual you know there was an actual outcome, a benefit to this all happening. So yeah, good for them. We're gonna award uh, Helmet Winter. Uh, I'm sorry, Winter, the first Ahoy Hero of the Episode award. There we go. Way to go, sir. We'll put him in the It Happened One Year Hall of Fame. Yep. yep. Currently, uh, no uh, one else has been inducted into the Hall of Fame. No, just me and Joe. We're the only ones there. Yeah, I think it's just us. We'll have to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should start coming up with the Hall of Fame. We can put it on the uh, put it on the Instagram account. Just yeah. like people we really enjoyed. Who was was there anybody in season one who did something awesome that wasn't already real famous? We didn't have too many people. I guess um, Zeke Schiff would probably be there, <laughs> right because that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, his kung fu was the best. So right. who else could we put in the in the the Hall of Fame from last year from nineteen ninety four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe the guy who crashed the like with the helicopter under the lawn of the White House trying to kill Bill Clinton. Remember? Oh yeah. Um, what was his name? Um, Frank Quarter was that yeah, it? That's right, Frank Quarter. Yeah, he's in. 
He's in. Died would, September 12th, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it would be, a, it would also be um the other one, Ronald Barber, because he was the one we found on Facebook, but he probably goes into the Ahoy right. Hall of Shame, not the yeah. Hall of Fame. I guess we also need the Hall of Shame. Yeah. Yes. Because we had some criminals and such, so mm-hmm. let's work that out. We'll, and we'll create like a border for the heroes, you know, yes. for your helmet vinters. Yeah. And then on the other side, you can have, say, Chuck Jones, who stole all of Marlon Maple's <laughs> shoes. And this could be this could be the balance. So, uh, well, I love the helmet vinter story. And I think, oh that's, God, I think that's a great jump off for season two. Here we are. We're setting the tone with uh, heroism and creativity and excitement and peril and uh, solved problems and yeah. happiness. I mean, even though he was anti-NATO and we are all very clearly pro-NATO, here uh, uh, in, in Ahoy Studios. Yes. Uh, I still feel that his story needs to be told and was fun. Yeah. Was he was he actually anti-NATO or was he just anti the disruption of Na- the NATO planes over his house? I mean, he wasn't anti-NATO. He lived in Germany in 1967 right. in Munich. Like he wasn't living in the bad parts. So he couldn't have been anti-NATO because otherwise basically he's pro-communism at that point. <laughs> right. And that's right. not a good place to be 67. No. So. No. Nor 2022. Is that a great place to be? No. So I feel like uh, that that uh, that holds up well. I feel like that does us a fair service towards uh, the great people of Munich, 1967. Okay. 1967. Here we are, listeners. Come on this journey with us. We're Episode so excited. one. You can Nailed start it. right here. Yeah, you don't even have to go back and listen to the the first season. You can start with season two. This is all new. Season yeah. one does not uh, inform this season at all, except for all the weird names we dropped from yeah, 1994. But I mean, you can Google them, listeners, if you don't know who those people are. Yeah. So it, it's not necessary that you go listen to the old the old episodes. You can, though, if you want yeah. to. Don't reach out to Ronald Gene Barber on Facebook. Don't do that. That guy yeah. appears to possibly be QAnon. <laughs> yeah, he was so. definitely at the Capitol on January yeah. 6th. He might be in jail. Could be, yeah. Do you want to do an outro? Look at us, Ooh. back to outros again. Do you have something fun? Do you want to do Wango? What do you want to do? Should we name all of the other vegetable side dishes that we would recommend flinging at NATO planes should the issue arise? That is a good idea. Yes. So what would, what would be a good vegetable and or fruit to hurl into the air to try to stop planes? Yeah. I'm going to start with cantaloupes. Ooh, cantaloupes are good and soft. Yeah. 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 I would say just for the comic aspect of it, like a nice tomato. Mm, a tomato. Oh yeah, because it's like you're hitting a hitting the plane with a tomato. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with a a good squash. Ooh, now we're getting into harder things. Yeah, yeah. Gourds. Well, some some squashes. It, it depends on the squash. If you take a zucchini squash, it's more of a like it's a it's an oblong. It's a more phallic shaped. Perfect <laughs> vegetable. So you got to fling it in just the right way. Keeping it classy. <laughs> Sorry. Well, to go down this same road, then eggplant. Eggplant gotta be an eggplant. Perfect. Let me see. I think eggplants are soft, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not huge. Yeah. So uh, hurling they're, phallic they're fruits soft. at planes. That's yes. what we've established here. New band name called it. Yeah. <laughs> Hunk of bananas. That's it. We're gonna throw them. Yeah, that's pretty good. Bananas are good because they're hard on the outside, soft on the inside. Yeah. Okay. This has been. It happened one year. Please follow us on all the random social media sites that exist and rate us wherever you possibly can. That'd be great! It's 
sitze ich so daheim. Es waren so circa 170 Maschinen am Tag. Und die sind in Abständen von so 20 Minuten, 30 Minuten.